I forgot to tell you that we're doing this live in front of a lot of people. <laughs> Very funny. No, I'm just Is kidding. that applause? Yeah, that was all the people that were getting ready to listen to the show. It sounded like a waterfall slash you and your car driving. All right, well, here's the actual intro. Relax. We're professionals here. We're very professional. What would you say you do here? Well, look, I already told you. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? Yeah. Did you see the memo about this? I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. All right, you're listening to Relax. We're professionals. It's your host, Andy Bell. And I am back today with my friend Katrina. What's up, Katrina? Hello. Happy Saturday. How are you doing? Happy Saturday. Wow, it's a it's a weird thing to say happy to, right? Like it's not like a good, holiday. Good day, Saturday. Good day. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, things are good though. Things are are going well. I should say. How are things up there in uh in the Big Apple? Ugh. Pretty good. You know, it's quiet around here given COVID, even though things are coming back. The city has been pretty dead. Everyone who lives here is out and about, but the lack of tourists makes the city really quiet. So it's a little eerie, but, um, you know, it's picking up and hopefully we'll see things getting a little bit back towards normal slightly in the next couple months, at least over the summer, but we can hope. Right. Well, is it, are there a lot more rats? Is that true? And if so, are the rats larger in size? I don't think they've gotten much bigger. And I don't really see many all that often. So, the because uh, the streets are cleaner now, too. There's not as many people out and about throwing trash everywhere. So, it's actually clean. But that's, I don't know, that's not, that's weird for New York. It should be dirty and angry people should be walking around. That, you know, <laughs> that's the vibe that I get when I'm there. Oh, yeah, you, normally, but it's not like that right now. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, getting on topic, you know, the reason why people are actually listening, uh, tell us who you are, you know, uh, what you do. Give us a, a little intro. Yeah, uh, what a deep question. Who am I? Ugh, such a tough one, but on you the surface. Even, doesn't even have to be, yeah, I was going to say surface level. You don't have to like... <laughs> that <laughs> yeah uh i'm katrina trisco i'm a registered dietitian so professional title is the rd and if nobody knows what that means just in case somebody hasn't heard of a dietitian before it's essentially a nutritionist right and most of my work revolves around food and health and wellness excellent yeah and we've known each other since uh I was thinking about it in like 2008, I think we met, right? Yeah, I think it was late, early 2008, give or take, right before I was graduating from high school, a whole nother world away. We saw Batman in theaters, I remember that. Did we? Wait, Dark Knight? Yeah. Really? We saw it, yeah. I remember going, yeah, that feels like <laughs> such a long time ago. Yeah, I know. it's crazy um, how long it has been. 
you know, so when you, I remember also, I think, did I, did I see you in a play? Did you do a play? Yeah, I was in a musical That's, back in high school. At the yeah. End of the, mm-hmm. I, I saw you in your musical. I remember being in attendance for that. Um, <laughs> so at that time, I, cause I don't even really remember if you had like a declared major or anything at that time, all I knew that, you know, was going on was that you were moving to Boston, but what, yep. what was your major? Moving to Boston. Well, going into undergrad, I didn't necessarily have a super solid idea of what I wanted to do. Initially, I was thinking potentially something in the science side of things because my brain is a little bit more, you know, scientific based in numbers like reality versus theoretical concepts. So I figured science would be something that I might be interested in. And I was thinking maybe something biology focused, but I wasn't necessarily sure at that point. And when I went to school, I went in as an sophomore or as a freshman undeclared, right? Where I'm kind of just like, I'm going to see where life takes me. We'll see what happens. Um, so it kind of started off as a question mark and I didn't even really know I would, where I would end up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's kind of how a lot of people start off and it's kind of interesting that how you mentioned, um, you know, that you are more of a, you know, kind of a ones and zeros person when your approach, and we'll talk about it, uh, a little later on, your approach is is almost sort of the opposite. It's kind of like not. Yeah, that's fo- true. That's like not focusing on metrics. So it's it's interesting to find out, you know, how you got how you got there. Um, but anyways, yeah. So you played sports in high school, like field hockey and basketball. Yes. Because you're hella tall. <laughs> so you had to but really. But really, in reality, because I went to the school that I did, they required you to participate in some type of physical activity, whether that was PE or a sport. And uh, I was not about to be that person in PE. So I was like, sports, I guess it is. But I feel like everybody has to do PE in high school. Like, you don't do that and then also join a team. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. You went to like you went to a private school though. Exactly. You're, yeah, you're fancy like that. So it's yeah, I guess it's different for you, you know, highbrow folks. Mm, I mean What are, are you I don't know about that, but drinking a glass of water during this? I was just this ten is, seconds ago. This is serious. Look, I stay hydrated, okay? I have sponsors. I'm gonna get they're going to light me up for that. And I'm not even going to edit that out. I'm going to leave that completely in. I tried doing it real quietly. I'm impressed that you heard that. Of course I heard it. I, it picked up everything. It was probably the Too loudest. sensitive. <laughs> it was the loudest thing. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, you know, in, in your journey, I, you know, you, you go to school. You don't really know what you want to do. And then what what happened like what moment occurred where you were like i want to you know i want to go this route of of nutrition and health yeah so 
it's not necessarily the most epic story. So fun times in 2008, back when I was starting school, we had the old school course catalog in paper with the university's list of all the different majors that you could major in and all the different courses that you would have to take under each of those majors. So at the time when I was thinking that I was going to declare bio as my major, I was thinking of other options and really trying to figure out if that's what I wanted to do. And I got my hands on one of those course catalogs and literally just sat there in my dorm room, flipping page by page, looking at all of the different majors that my university offered, trying to find something that stood out to me. And I came across dietetics and I didn't even know what that word meant. I had never heard it before. Yeah, I don't know and I was like, well, means. yeah, I was like, <laughs> it has the word diet in it. So maybe it has to do with food, I'm guessing. So that took me down the rabbit hole of discovering the world of dietetics and what it really is and everything that I would need to do in order to get my degree in that. So because I was debating between bio and nutrition and dietetics, I sat in on a couple classes. I emailed some professors and said, I'm interested in sitting in on your class just for the experience. Would you mind if I attended just to sit in? And so I remember sitting in on an upper level bio class and a like nutrition and life cycle course. And in the bio class, it was at that point pretty, pretty far over my head in terms of the content they were going over. But what I realized was that I didn't want to be stuck in a position that was going to have me doing research or stuck behind a microscope as a profession. I didn't want to be stuck inside in a lab for my job and my profession. And what I really wanted was something that was going to be able to allow a little bit more community work and working with people. So nutrition was one of those things that was going to allow me to do that. And at the same time, still be focused a little bit on the science side of things and learn some of that, but also learn how to apply that to people in real life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you kind of strayed further and further from science <laughs> as you got into it. So far, so far. <laughs> but I mean, explain dietetics and, you know, pretend like yeah. pretend like I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. It's essentially in the courses that you have to take to get a degree in dietetics, quote unquote, is a lot of medical stuff. So it is very science driven, chemistry, biochemistry, physiology, anatomy, you have to learn the human body in order to understand how food and nutrition impacts it. So a lot of it is learning how to specifically use food for the treatment of medical conditions in the form of what we call medical nutrition therapy. So the courses are very science focused and human physiology driven. So it's really close to this, to science just as it applies to the human body. And is that like proven like scientific, you know, treatment or is that like 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 home remedy some kind of like witch's brew like eye of newt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> St. John's wort. Right. <laughs> 
um, hey, you know, it works for that works for some people, I guess. But you know, is it, it is it like is this like a uh, you know somebody would actually be treated like ins- would would insurance pay for that? Yes. So <laughs> that's kind of the legitimizing factor. Yeah, definitely. So registered dietitians are the only recognized nutrition professional that can accept insurance and be in network with an insurance provider. So that is, you know, kind of the gold standard of this is credible. So that's, that's what like the registered part is. That's like the official stamp. Yeah, essentially. So as a dietitian and what separates a dietitian from somebody who just quote calls themselves a nutritionist is that credential and the education and the supervised practice behind it. So just like if you're a, let's use the example of um, a doctor, or if you're a physical therapist, you have to have gone through a certain education degree, sat through a residency program, essentially, and then taken a registration exam or some licensing exam in order to actually get a certificate or your professional accreditation to practice as this provider. That same thing applies for dietitians. We have to go through undergraduate. You have to apply for a internship program. It's usually a year long and do supervised practice for 1200 hours before you can even sit for the exam to get your license or your credential because dietetics isn't quote licensed across the board. It's state by state. So it's a little bit different depending on what state you're in, but to get your national recognition as a dietitian, you have to go through all of these processes as opposed to somebody who might call themselves a nutritionist. There is no legal definition or requirement in order to call yourself that you could sit through some random course that you took online and call yourself a nutritionist without that background. Yeah. Nutritionist is like a, it's like an Instagram label, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like not a real thing. It is. And it isn't at the same time. It's like you read the side of cereal boxes, but you don't have a real license to tell anybody anything important. And there are some some credible resources that you can go to to get your, you know, certificate of nutrition in different places, but most of those people just don't have the education and background that dietitians do because they just take a small course and then get a cert in it and that's really just it. It's that e- so I could be one quickly you could be one real easily yeah is it like along the same lines as like getting ordained as a minister if you want to make that analogy i suppose you could or like uh be like a notary yeah exactly it's pretty easy to take any random course that gives you a quote certificate to call yourself a nutritionist right so you know in in looking at what you do as a a health service what what what's the clientele for um you know for somebody that does your work or are you working with with i think the first thing that comes to mind probably for most people is like oh people that want to you know lose weight but i'm sure it goes way beyond that 
Yes, absolutely. So the great thing about dietetics is because we have the background and the experience and the education, each dietitian typically has a specialty in what they work in. So whether it's like gut health and working with that side of things, or whether it's the weight loss side, there's definitely a number of dietitians that do work with weight loss. And that is one of the most popular things that people would often look to a dietitian for, but it really runs the gamut of what people's specialties are. And in terms of what I'm doing specifically, so I have a much more weight neutral approach, just like you were saying earlier, Neutral, weight neutral, just like you were saying earlier, my focus as a practitioner, it just frowned. It just frowned. It shrugs like, Hey, you know, like, I don't know who cares. But yeah, anyway, yeah. sorry to interrupt. It's uh, it's just very funny. So it's working on all of the qualitative things about your wellness that isn't necessarily reflected on in the scale. And sure, some people may come with the premise of, I do ideally want to potentially lose some weight through this process. And yes, that may be a side effect. But ultimately, what I'm doing and what I'm focusing on in the people that I'm working with is really trying to build a solid foundation of your relationship with food and how you view food as ideally fuel and have it be something that's positive and fueling and moving away from this quote diet culture of guilt and labeling foods as, you know, superfoods or foods that are quote bad for you. So it's a moving away from that and looking at your relationship with food and also your body. How do you view yourself? What are your energy levels like? What are these other things that we can look at that's not at all scale related? Can you can you kind of expand on or, or give some kind of like visualization of of what it means, you know, to have that relationship with food and what that, you know, how how to understand what that means? Yeah, so I kind of view it as the ability to kind of pull away from and having food be either like positively or negatively charged and having a good relationship with food, for example, means being able to uh, like allow yourself to have certain things in the house, right? For some people, they feel like they don't have control over certain foods. And if I have it in the house, I'm just going to like go overboard with it. And I want to eat it all at once. And like, I, some people think like, oh, I can't have this around, right? Like they have no control over it. So it's really more about being able to have a quote, healthy relationship with food where you can view it in a positive way and feeling like you have the control and the authority to make your own decisions of what you are going to fuel yourself with how you're going to, you know, and when you're going to fuel yourself. So that way there's no food that is, quote, maybe off limits to you or you don't feel like you have to avoid anything for any certain reason. Well, so, you know, let's say somebody has an addiction to sugar, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, they they want to, you know, I've, I've read all kinds of crazy comparisons. Like it's a like as addictive as you know certain illicit drugs and things like that oh yeah for sure that's Um, definitely definitely something that a lot of people like to make the analogy with so how does how does your approach go you know 
with the guy who's addicted to sugar and, you know, throws a box of cookies, you know, in his kitchen. How does, how does he repair that relationship? How, or he or she, they, whoever, how does, how does somebody, Mm -hmm. how does somebody repair that unhealthy relationship while still allowing that to be present, you know, in their, in their world? Mm -hmm. Oh, first it starts with permission. Typically when it comes to the case of, of this example, when there is somebody who's struggling in this way with a, with a specific food item, say, whether it's like cookies or maybe they're like Cheetos or one of those things that you're just like, Oh, I can't have them because I eat the whole bag. First part is really the mindset shift and giving yourself that permission to have that food. And then second to that, it's not allowing yourself to feel guilty or feel less than for the fact that you just ate that certain food. And one of the main reasons that so many people have specific problems with certain foods does stem back to psychology and like their history with food and certain food items and emotions, which are a really big player in a lot of people's food choices, unfortunately. So the first part is giving yourself permission to eat this food and not feeling guilty after you eat it. And just doing that can sometimes take away some of that like guilt that people feel when they eat certain things that drives this cycle of restriction and overindulgence. So if you have those cookies in the kitchen and you eat the whole thing, you're prob- most people will feel guilty about that. Like some deep part of them, right, like has remorse or feels guilty and thinks that they were bad for doing that. And then they'll restrict, right, as punishment for the fact that they just ate that whole box of cookies. Right. And then when you restrict, you want that thing more. And then you just end up in this cycle of overindulgence and restriction that's really hard to get out of. So is it something where you're you're allowing it to be around and you're just kind of tapering it down until just the presence of it you feel comfortable with because you've kind of repaired the unhealthy part of the relationship, you know, with that, that food or, you know, that type of food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this takes time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but ideally we want to be able to slowly get to a place where maybe the restriction and overindulgence cycle isn't happening as frequently or it isn't as, isn't as intense as maybe it is in some scenarios, but it's being able to, give yourself permission to eat the things that you want to eat. But at the same time, really having awareness of why you want certain things and checking in with your emotions and saying, is it really these cookies that I need right now? Or did I really just have a shitty day? And am I really stressed? And is that what's driving me to eat these? So there's so many factors other than just the food that we have to consider when it comes to these things. And, and, you know, let, let's kind of use the same person as an example. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you introduce healthier things into, into that lifestyle? It doesn't necessarily mean that this person isn't already incorporating healthy things into their lifestyle. Let's say they're but not. <laughs> if they're not, let's pretend yeah. they're not to make the question harder for you to answer. If they're not, it's really about small steps at a time. 
focusing on one small thing in order to get like an easy win under your belt. So that way you feel motivated and like confident about being able to make changes. Cause a lot of times when people will try and quote, start like working on their health and wellness, typically that incorporates like following some type of diet that's popular at the time. So whether it's like going on keto or doing whole 30 or whatever that thing may be, what happens is that these changes are often so drastic at a time that it gets really overwhelming and you're just like piling so much on and and so much change at once that it's like exhausting and something that you can't keep up with long term and that's why people just give up so the same thing with that like restriction and overindulgence cycle people will go in this like all or nothing cycle where they're like all in on something and trying to do all of this change all at once and then they just crash and burn and then end up trying to do it again because they didn't gain anything from it the first time. So starting really small is the key to actually making change happen and re- and introducing these healthy things into that person's life. And it sounds like that would work on the other side of things too because not not everybody that has nutritional issues is overweight. You know, there's a, a lot of people that are underweight and struggle to healthily gain more weight to be you know at that appropriate level and yeah you know, a thousand percent and, and so i feel like that's also uh, you know it's similar but it's a different set of barriers that you're working with mm-hmm. and yes you know, a different mentality of, of clientele so it's it, it seems like your approach you know having that more of a, a a focus on the connection uh, between you and the client and then the client and, you know, their relationship with the food that, you know, is, is fueling their lives. It sounds like that's, that's your goal is to create harmony there. Yeah. And really just giving the people the confidence that they're making good choices because so much of society says, Oh, this is bad right? Like sugar addiction, like sugar is bad. You know, the like Dr. Oz's of the world that are touting these, like, don't eat this or don't eat that. And then instead have this next miracle thing, which is always just bullshit. But oh, you don't like Dr. Oz. Oh, don't even get me started. I, I thought Dr. Oz was a, 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 a credible medical source. Oh, oh yeah. And you Dr. Can... Phil... Oh, they're, they're, uh, they're doctors of, of touting bullshit. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've, I've heard a lot of insane things from both of them, but yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a complicated field that I don't think either of them are, uh, specialists in. I don't think. Exactly. They, and here's the. Yeah. <laughs> No, they may have a D in their credential, but uh, the crazy thing about the MD and the intersection with nutrition is doctors don't get nearly any nutrition education in their schooling. They, I think the school or like the classes that doctors have to take maybe include one seminar on nutrition, but there's very little, which is great because it gives me a job and something to do. 
But at the same time, people will sometimes view recommendations from their doctors as like the best nutrition advice, but really they don't really have the education for that. So turning to somebody like a registered dietitian is a great place to go for credible nutrition advice if anyone's kind of like unsure of what's actually credible and what's not in the media. Yeah, I'm, I mean, at this point, I don't know if your uh, general practitioner does this, but uh, all the ones in my, like my doctor and his, everybody in his office, they all just walk around with tablets and I, I swear they just like Google what's going on <laughs> and they come to the same conclusion that I would. He's like, oh, I think you should try this. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And that I, I swear he pulls up a browser. I don't think he doesn't really know. I mean, he's a great doctor. I love Dr. E, you know, hopefully uh, he'll be on an episode and won't listen to this one, but, <laughs> but yeah, get him I, on and see what he says. He's, so he's going to be on. Yeah. And you know what? Now, you know, this brings up a point that I've, that I'm thinking about now that you talk about Googling, as I've gotten into the healthcare industry and I've been here for a number of years, I realized more and more that, you know, people put these medical practitioners on a pedestal and think that they're, you know, this different type of person just because they're a medical practitioner, but really everyone is just human. We don't know everything. Doctors don't know everything. And I don't either. And anyone who claims to know everything is probably lying because they don't. The research is constantly changing and we're not, or practitioners in, in the health sphere aren't some different type of human than we don't know everything. And that's okay. It's okay to look things up every once in a while. And I do that too. Um, it's impossible to know everything. So sometimes we don't have the answers and sometimes we're going to have to look some look stuff up if we need to. Um, and that's fine. I do it too. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody has to. I'm, you know, in in my line of work, I'm constantly looking through things. A lot of guides, a lot of Googling forums, mm -hmm. Slack chats, you know. But, um, you know, knowing what you do and, and having all of this experience in, in that field um, and a pretty good exposure to, you know, the average person's nutrition... What are we? What are we all doing wrong? What, what could we all be doing more of and less of? Great question. So, it's really hard to generalize to everyone because everyone is so different, and that's what makes my job so great. Because every time I work with somebody, what we're working on is going to be very different from person to person. But, but considering the general average American. One of the major things that, you know, we're dealing with in a society as a whole is the fact that, one, we eat so much processed food in general. And yes, the processed, the word processed can apply to things like baby carrots because yes, they've been processed. But what I'm talking about here is like those really high processed foods. So things like McDonald's and fast food and those types of really highly processed food products, essentially. As Americans, most of us eat a lot of them. 
So that is one of the major things that we're like, quote, not doing as well as we could be. Eating too much of that and then what we could be doing more of instead is focusing a little bit more on getting in fresh food. So really that just means produce, fresh veggies, fruit, how much food can you get that's grown from the ground and not made in a lab. So that would be the biggest one I would probably say. Second, fluid intake, because that's something I definitely work with people on is getting enough hydration. Most people don't drink nearly enough water that they need to on a regular basis. In order to calculate quick calculation of like how much a normal person needs, calculate your weight divided by two. And that's how many fluid ounces of water you would want to drink in a day. So if somebody's 200 pounds, that would be roughly 100 ounces of water that you'd want to get in a day. So too much processed food, needing to focus on more fruits and vegetables, and then making sure that you're staying hydrated is probably one of the big three that I would say just off the top of my head. Well, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And everybody who's been listening, you know, could hear that you were hydrating earlier. So you're practicing what you preach. I take it very seriously. <laughs> I, obviously, obviously. Do you think there's, uh, well, I know you think there are some common misconceptions about nutrition, about food, like, oh, eat this because this is healthy. Um, can you can you think of and debunk a couple of those? Like, what what are some things that that you know people attribute to to being good for you that really are not? Okay, or vice versa. Maybe thinking that they're they're bad for you and really they aren't. So maybe some good things that people think are yeah, just flip great my for them. That's really around, not going to do know? anything. Just mm-hmm. freeform jazz. Just do you know whatever you want. Go ahead. Flip it upside down and reverse it over here. <laughs> the uh, things that people think are great, right? So supplements are is a huge multi-billion billion dollar industry so when i say supplements i'm speaking about anything that's not food so vitamin mineral supplements all of the herbal supplements that type of category so many people think that it's necessary to take them or like protein powder because that's also a supplement pre-workout also a supplement So many people think that that's like the key to being healthy, but really it's not. Are you, are you slamming the, uh, the newts, the creatine, the protein, the pre-work? The, the, the gym bros. Yes. Are you you starting a fight with optimum nutrition and GNC? Because... Them's, GNC will never get any of fighting, my money. Them's fighting words. What if you needed a vitamin? What if you needed like, vi- I don't know, like a, a vitamin that's hard to find in something else? So there are, yes, there are certain cases that people may need specific supplementation for a certain mm-hmm. vitamin. Yeah, maybe they'll get your business then when you need vitamin G or something. I don't know. B12 or D or C. Those two are mostly the common ones that people are low in. But a lot of times people think that they need to like take all these supplements to quote, be healthier. But really, we should be able to get most of these things through food. So the positive that's actually really not that helpful for you is typically often supplements. And not only that, they're not regulated by 
any governmental agency, not like the government's perfect in its regulation, but they're not controlling the supplement industry in any way, shape or form, which is why whenever you pick up a supplement bottle, there's always a disclaimer that says this has not been rec or this has not been analyzed by the FDA. So the FDA, which they're not. the FDA is not checking out what's in pre-workout. Cause I think it's powdered meth. <laughs> yeah. Powdered caffeine and a bunch of stuff that you really don't need. I mean, yeah, it may give you a little bit more energy, but like, really, is that making a big difference? Probably not. So that's one of them. Let's see. What would be another thing that people think is like really healthy for them? Uh, speaking of diets, keto, particularly, because it's been pretty popular in the last year or two, people think it's great. Like it's the next big answer for weight loss. But if you're doing keto in the traditional sense of eating a ton of meat and fat, it is like literally the worst thing for your heart health. It wrecks your arteries, and and especially if you do it long term. Doesn't doesn't it promote? Uh, I forget. What, it's like the fat that like uh, accumulates around your heart that you can't really get rid of. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, like visceral fat. Visceral that's the fat, fat that's, yeah, that's the fat that surrounds your organs. Um, Ooh, scary. I know. I hope, um, I, I hope I don't have a lot of that. You'd have to get a scan in order to figure out. Oh. It's not something that you can just assess. I so I don't want to find out. <laughs> so, so don't do keto. Um, yeah. In the traditional sense of like eating a ton of meat and fat and, is not the best way to treat your body, especially if you're doing it long-term. So that's definitely not healthy. Supplements, keto, off the table. What people think is bad for them that actually isn't, carbs, right? Like so many people are afraid of carbs. Same, kind of the same thing with the keto population. They think that they can't eat carbs, but carbohydrates are literally our primary source of fuel especially for our brain. So if you've ever come across anyone who claims that they're doing keto and they're like a little off in their mood or, or like that might be the, that might be the reason because our brain needs carbs to function. So a lot of times when you're cutting them out, you get moody, you find that you get headaches, all of these side effects happen because of it. Um, and especially when you're trying to exercise, our body needs carbs to produce energy in our system. So, yeah, I mean, if my, you're trying to work my, out, my friend, my my friend that uh, that did keto was like seemed like he was on his deathbed. <laughs> like I thought it was killing him. It it actually it actually can be really dangerous if it's not medically monitored. The keto idea actually came from the treatment of epilepsy they were doing research and found that the keto diet or having your body in ketosis can be some form of treatment for epilepsy in children. And that's where it came from. But somehow they found that, Oh, sometimes, you know, patients who are on this diet lose weight. And then somehow it got translated into the, the general society as a, as a weight loss method. So, so they figured out like, if they max out your cholesterol, flashing lights don't bother you anymore? Nope. Don't know how that got correlated, but that's what they found. 
trial and error, <laughs> trial and error, you know, tends to be a common theme in science. No, that, so. was, that was a ignorant and insensitive comment slash joke for me, but no, epilepsy is serious and it's a bummer uh, for people that suffer from it. So, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, epileptics. That's why this is a radio show. There's nothing that you can, you know, get affected by on this. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I so, mean, yeah. Yeah. Those were some fantastic examples. Um, I definitely, I have, um, I have some curiosities. Uh, so, you know, you had mentioned all of the different classes and the variety of classes and, and, and everything that you've taken. So you've mm -hmm. obviously learned a lot. Um, can you, can you throw us some like cr some crazy facts about either like nutrition or the human body or, you know, something that, that we don't already know. Like everybody knows, Oh, your allergies change every seven years or whatever, but I'm sure you've learned something that was like, Whoa, Okay, let's try this one. Did you know that there are actually more bacteria in your gut than you do have cells in your entire body? No, but is that is that good? <laughs> yeah, it's legit. So in our digestive system, right, like the going from your stomach all the way through your intestines and your colon, it's populated with billions and billions and billions of bacteria and those are actually the bacteria that's doing half of our digestion for us essentially that are breaking down some of the nutrients in our food that we then absorb so most of them are good yes there can be scenarios where there can be like an overpopulation of bad bacteria but the bacteria in our gut is really really important for the digestive process and it can be shifted or what we it's called gut flora so that's essentially the pop, the term for the bacteria that's living in your gut so the gut flora can actually change and shift populations based on what food you're eating so they found that people who eat a lot more processed food and um, like sugary foods and things along those lines have different bacterial populations than those people who eat much more like fibrous plant-based diet Wow, that's crazy. So, like, uh, are they, are, is that what the uh, live and active cultures are? You know, when you. That is exactly it. Those live and active cultures that you see, see listed on things like yogurt. Yogurt, yeah. So, like, when, mm -hmm. you're, when you're eating yogurt, are you sending in, like, some good guys to, like, join? Yeah, you're sending in those, like, the army of good guys for taking care of your digestive system. Okay, so yogurt is good for your gut health then. Mm hmm. What's, yep. what's, fermented foods in general what's bad for your gut health other than the processed foods alcohol also isn't the best for your gut either oh yeah well especially what chemically happens to alcohol as it's processed in your body it is uh i i'm not really a drinker anymore um you know because of that but yeah. really because you have quite the impressive collection uh, from time to time, I do and like to. I do. Uh, I I do like to enjoy. Uh, you know, a fine bourbon and scotch, but uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't get drunk like like the good old days anymore. It's uh, it's, yeah. too, it's too. That's much. what happens when you after you cross that thirty bridge. Let me tell you. 
No, I crossed. It's just different. I, I crossed the bridge way <laughs> earlier uh, than thirty. It, it uh, life comes at you fast when you're when you're on tour. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> true. So uh, so okay. Um, what, what's another? What's something else that's crazy? There's got to be something else that's crazy. Oh man. I don't know if I can come up with anything off the top of my head now that I think about it. That's okay. I don't know of anything really that crazy. I mean, at least I don't think I, you know, sometimes I don't think it's crazy, but that's just me because I've, you know, I've been in this for so long. Right. All right. Well, aside from, okay. So, okay. So aside from, uh, you know, talking about before not really minding the number on the scale, mm-hmm. what things should people focus on, you know, when trying to better their health? You know, we talked about like more uh, the the healthier relationships with food, not, not mm-hmm. restricting yourself. Um, but what should people focus on if not the number on the scale? Yeah, definitely. So one of the big, big things is really energy. When you wake up in the morning, like how much energy do you have during the day? Do you find that you're like crashing in the afternoon or do you feel like you're pretty much good to go all day? Because energy is a a huge one for people. So energy is usually my first go-to. Check in with yourself, see how those, those energy levels look. The second big one is really how your clothes fit. Right, because the scale is only reflective of pounds, but it's not reflective of your body composition. So for those people who are maybe on a journey to try and better themselves and eat better and work out, you may notice that your clothes fit different or your clothes are fitting more comfortably before you see any shift on the scale happening, if at all. So checking to see how your clothes fit, energy levels, how strong are you? Like how how much shit can you lift? And feel good about it, right? Um, And then even more technical in terms of the science about your body and your physiology, what do your lab levels look like, right? For example, when you go to the doctor for your annual physical and and get those blood labs done, what does your cholesterol look like? What's your blood pressure when you go to the doctor? If both of those things are, are normal, then those are the types of things that are really important and really indicative of like future risk of health issues down the line. Uh, yeah, that's definitely valuable information. And, you know, here's what I want to say too. Um, I think a lot of people waste a lot of time and I know you agree. They waste a lot of time and money on these fly by night scam miracle mm-hmm. weight loss programs drugs uh workout routines crazy diets you know things that obviously don't work and they have no scientific or official medical backing um and what they're spending on that they could spend on a professional like yourself you know, to actually provide real, insightful, tailored information, not just a cash grab that's, you know, thrown together, 
you know, somebody that actually went to school and is, you know, a registered dietitian, not just a dietitian and not a nutritionist, certainly. And, um, I think the big thing now, um, that I, I would like to get across saying by listening is that, you know, Katrina's job is not, um, though it is specialized, she's not a specialist that is only needed when there's an emergency situation. Um, yeah, exactly. I Ideally, think, we want it to be preventative. I think, I think she is, uh, on the same value of, you know, health level or the same level of like health value as a, as investing in a personal trainer, because that's the other side of it. And they always say you, you can't outrun a bad diet, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You really can't. And, and, you know, I, I think a big part of what's going to be really important is, is spreading the awareness that, you know, what you do is really important and, and it's not replaceable by all these fads. Um, and I know that you have your own biz going on and uh, definitely want to get people in the know about that. How can people find you online? So Instagram, just like everyone else, is probably the biggest biggest place to reach me and to see the content and my message and, and what I'm providing here in this space. So on Instagram, I'm at weight neutral nutritionist. Yes, I know that we were just talking about me being a dietitian, but um, sometimes just like we were saying, you didn't really know what dietetics was. So in the same way, I will call myself a nutritionist on the social media space just for relatability. So people understand what I'm doing. So you can find me on Instagram at weight neutral nutritionist. And, and what I'll also add is, you know, a lot of people are shy about, you know, getting assistance with this kind of thing, especially when it's personalized and you're actually talking to somebody. Um, you're not looking at, uh, or or hearing right now, you're not you're not hearing somebody that is going to judge you uh, for your habits uh, or shame you for you know how you've gotten to wherever you are with you know whatever you want to change about yourself and um, don't be afraid to to reach out for that coaching and that assistance. It's something that I personally do, and I think uh, it, it's extremely valuable um and you know I, I really hope that uh people start getting more in tune with their nutrition and, and start seeking out you know the expert advice that you can provide thank you and i think that's such a, a great testimony and summary of what it's all about it's really about building that relationship with who i'm working with on that level. And it's not about shaming anyone. I'm not judging people for their choices, but I'm really here to empower them to make better ones. Like if I told you right now that I just drank a bottle of high fructose corn syrup out of boredom, (laughs) 
what would you say? How do you think we could have made a better decision about that? Well, we didn't make that decision. I made that decision. Yeah. So how do you think you could have made a better decision? I'm happy with drinking it. How do you feel now? <laughs> Theoretically, right? What would be the conversation? Uh, I feel like I'm about to go into diabetic shock, but I don't have diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, these fake examples aren't aren't the easiest because you're not actually living it. But no. yeah, it's really digging into the like but the I, why people but, make decisions. But what I but what I what I mean to to illustrate, I guess, is you're not a drill sergeant. You're there to help. You're 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 like, you know, the the triple A of nutrition, you know. <laughs> exactly. Call me and I'll 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 come help. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, like I was mentioning, how uh, I have these weird default sounds on this soundboard. I have one that's like I found one uh, a second ago, or well, not a second, you know, before we started recording. Uh, that sounds like what we would like. Uh, what we would say before a commercial break on like a house flipper show and it's just like like if we don't flip this house we're gonna lose the house (laughs) (laughs) an HD HGTV segment oh god HD HGTV yeah HGTV mm -hmm. yeah home and garden television yep (laughs) all right well uh is there anything else that you want to you want to leave us with anything that you want us to remember or or think about in our day-to-day when we're 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 making our decisions about what to uh what to fuel ourselves with yeah so two things i guess uh balance we get two two yeah a balance right how much can you balance this meal color different food groups balance is, is really key and then second remembering that one decision doesn't necessarily impact the next so if you want to enjoy something a little bit more indulgent that has zero impact on your ability to make a really balanced decision at your next meal or snack so Remembering that balance is key, but also at the same time, progress over perfection, because trying to be perfect is not going to get you anywhere. Well, yeah, and perfection is unattainable, because it's not really a thing. Exactly. But awesome. Thank you so much for, for taking the time uh, to to uh, to join me on my show. And to, yeah, definitely. To, I'm so glad we were able to get together and make this happen. Yeah, it was awesome talking to you and connecting. I mean, we talk all the time, but it was it was great to do it in in this capacity and be able to share some of the uh, really important information that you have. Yes, definitely. And don't forget to drink your water. I'm about to have another sip right now. I have water right in front of me. I'm just, you know, out of professionalism, I'm not going to drink it into the microphone (laughs) (laughs) oh god anyways thanks a lot uh cat it it was it was awesome uh and once again everybody uh my name is andy bell you have been listening to relax we are professionals relax we're professionals here
we're very professional. What would you say you do here? <laughs> well, look, I already told you. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? Yeah. Did you see the memo about this? I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo.